Welcome to Tell Me More Live, the recorded version of our live storytelling night at the Push Comedy Theater in Norfolk, Virginia. In this recording, musician Sky Zentz joins us to tell a story about growing up and the anticipation of her parents' divorce. So, okay, we're going to start off in 1993. I am nine years old. Um, I'm wearing a blue and green plaid oversized sweatshirt with a hood and uh, straight leg denim jeans and pink shoes. Um, I'm very much into treasure trolls, Jurassic Park, and uh, playing make-believe with my friend Matthew. Um, at this point in time, I'm listening to the song If by Janet Jackson. You guys familiar with the song? If I was your girl, oh, the things I'd do to you. Um, which is very appropriate going with Brendan's story. Um, <laughs> little singing. Um, so I'm listening to that song If, but I've been made aware by my mom that it's inappropriate for someone who's nine years old to be listening to that song because the, the lyrics are a little suggestive. Even so, I go into my room at night by myself and I like try to like very awkwardly do the choreography from the video. Um, at this time, I am uh, not interested in anyone romantically in fourth grade, uh, but I do have a male best friend named Mitchell who wears uh, an, uh, an, another oversized, again, this is the 90s, so oversized is a thing. He wears an oversized Redskins jersey to school every day. <laughs> And he's very tall, so it kind of looks like a bathrobe a little bit when he wears it. And I'm not attracted to Mitchell per se, but I do sometimes think of him when I'm jumping through the sprinkler, so I don't really know. When you're nine, I guess that means something. Um, at <laughs> this is the year that in school I performed at the talent show for the first time. I sang a very tasteful rendition of a song called The Recycling Rap with my friend Teresa. And um, Teresa was a really great sport about this, considering the fact that this was a very unpopular uh, fourth grade choice. There were kids in that, in that same year of school that were doing like, I'll Make Love to You by Boys to Men. And my mom, my mom really uh, actually was offended by that as well. So there's a, there's a theme here. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, so at this point in my home life, and this is kind of what my story is about, um, my mom this summer did a test separation from my dad. Now, I didn't realize at the time that it was a test separation. I just thought my mom was house-sitting for some people who played in the symphony, and I went with them, and I got to, like, set up Playmobil figures all around someone else's house, and I didn't have to clean it up as quickly. It was pretty awesome uh, as a nine-year-old. And uh, so the reason the test separation was happening is because, and I was aware of this, from a young age, um, my parents, while having a very loving relationship, they had, they had communication difficulties. Um, there were sometimes arguments, and um, for me as a kid, I didn't really, I, I couldn't always conceptualize what that meant about the relationship, but I did know that I had a half-brother from my dad's first marriage, so I understood from a very young age that divorce is a thing, that some people's parents did not stay together. Usually that happened when things weren't really working out, and so I was okay with this. What I didn't understand was, so like people who are in relationships and aren't getting along, they break up. So I didn't always understand as a kid why my parents who weren't getting along 
weren't getting divorced. So that's why this story is about anticipation for me, because for some reason, as a nine-year-old, and I know this seems very inappropriate, I was always, like, anticipating, like, okay, at some point there's going to be an argument here, and it's going to end in, like, I'm out. <laughs> and it didn't really happen. So, again, test separation happening when I'm nine years old, don't really get it. And at the end of the summer, after, again, what I thought was house-sitting um, ends, we moved back in with my dad. It's all cool, and I'm getting ready for fifth grade. So that was 1993. 1996, I am 14, no, sorry, I'm 12 years old. Um, at this point, I am wearing someone else's homemade bell-bottoms, and what I mean by homemade is they were regular jeans that were cut up the leg with a little a little triangle sewn in. You know what I'm talking about? People did this in the 70s. They did not do this in the 90s. But I had a pair of someone's pants from the 70s. I was wearing that and, uh, and a floral-type polyester shirt that was probably really smelly when I sweat, um, which is something that, you know, kids, kids are doing a lot. They're sweating a lot. Um, I'm doing it a lot up here, too, you know? So, uh, so I'm wearing that. Uh, this is a year that I get joked a lot for my fashion choices in school, but I'm like, whatever. You know what? They gonna call me a hippie. I'm gonna keep on rocking this polyester button down, and they can. Um, <laughs> so, so uh, at this point in time, I am listening to the Romeo and Juliet soundtrack. Did any of you guys listen to that? Um, and there is a particular song on that soundtrack by a lady named Desiree. Desiree had a song that went, you gotta be cool, you gotta be, you gotta but this is not that song. This is a song called, <laughs> this is a song called Kissing You, and it was very romantic and dramatic, um, and I really loved this song, and it made me feel uh, like I was ready for romance, you know, as most 12-year-olds are. Um, <laughs> so I am into, at this point in time, uh, the Delia's catalog that comes to my house once a month. Y'all know. Um, and I'm really into Minute Maid orange soda, which they have in the soda machines at my middle school, which was very cool. Very, uh, you know, very uh, progressive for a middle school to have, to have uh, a soda machine. So listening to that, my romantic interest at this point is a son of one of my parents' friends. His name is Scott. He has long hair that swoops out to here. That was my mom going, oh. <laughs> um, and uh, and I, my, my impression of Scott is that I think the world of him and that he probably doesn't know that I exist, and this becomes a running theme for my entire adolescence. Liking boys who I just glorify and who don't know that I exist. And that's all right, because good songs come out of that later, ladies and gentlemen. Um, at this point in time in my own personal life at home, again, this is a time that my parents are getting along really well, roughly speaking. The reason that um, I can tell you that is because they came to my school this year, my sixth grade year, to do a presentation on African musical instruments together. If you can try to imagine being a sixth grader who's very self-conscious, who's already getting made fun of, and then their parents coming in, their parents who are definitely not Africans, <laughs> doing a presentation on something that they are very skilled and very familiar with, which is African musical instruments, 
it was kind of mortifying for me. I, I, I love them, and I think that they're, we're very talented people. I believe that even back then. However, I ended up getting joked about that, and people said, Scott lives in a gourd. <laughs> that was the big joke of um, sixth grade. So while the African musical instrument thing is happening, uh, my parents also decided this year to renew their vows. It was their 15-year wedding anniversary, and I was really excited about this, um, not necessarily from like a sweet perspective uh, of, of loving my parents' love, but from the perspective of my mom was going to take me to Pembroke Mall, and she was going to take me to Deb, <laughs> and she was going to buy me a new dress for the vow renewal ceremony. So I picked out this amazing dress, really, really loved it. It was white with rainbow flowers. You notice there's still a theme in my wardrobe of rainbow. And um, it was kind of made out of this material that felt sort of like a paper towel. Ladies, I hope that you know what material I'm talking about. But I was really stoked about it. Um, we went, I went to my parents' vow renewal ceremony on the water in our neighborhood. It was very beautiful. Um, we saw dolphins that morning. And I didn't know whether I felt that was a sign or not, but I knew that I felt awesome in this new dress. And uh, my parents looked happy, and I felt, uh, I felt grown up. We took a picture afterwards, and I held our family dog, Sanji, in the picture, smiling. And uh, looking back at the picture, it's like, yeah, my parents look sort of happy. I look, uh, look confused. And... Uh, I think when I'm looking into my brain of this moment of what, what it is that makes me confused is that I think I know something about love, but I want to know more about it. And um, again, can't figure out why, um, why there's sort of this feeling in my, in my world as a 12-year-old uh, person of my parents are together and they're sort of happy, but they're sort of not. And I don't really know what that's about. So fast forward, 1998, y'all. I am uh, 14 years old. I'm in ninth grade at Maury High School. I am wearing a yellow and black smiley face shirt that I got from 579. I've got denim flares that lace up the front instead of zipper. Um, so I feel very, very cool. Um, I'm listening to the song Minute Without You by Hanson. And Hanson is my everything at this point in my life. I have Hanson posters all over my wall. Um, the reason I love Hanson so much is because uh, they are young people my age with long, blonde, beautiful hair. They're very cute boys, but also they write their own songs, and they write songs about love, and that's something that I want to do. So um, also at this point in time, I am into... Uh, the, the concept of irony, thanks to my homegirl, Alanis Morissette. Um, <laughs> I am into uh, going to the mall with my pack of girlfriends, and I'm also into impersonating uh, alternate personalities in chat rooms, because 1998 was the year of the chat room and AOL. Um, so I go... I go to chat rooms a lot, and at one point in time in 1998, I meet my very serious online boyfriend. Um, his name is Jason DeRoner, and he lives in Allentown, Pennsylvania. And even though this is a great distance from Norfolk, Virginia, and I don't have a car or any means to get to see him, 
I'm very, uh, very much enamored with Jason. He is not like me. He does not listen to Hanson. He watches South Park and listens to Nine Inch Nails. Um, but somehow, he's a good listener to me, and he makes me feel like the kind of girl who should go out with a boy like him. Uh, he, he and I talk about stuff with our families. He's got a family going through weird stuff, too, and like parents that don't really get along. And so we connect on this so much so that we run our parents' phone bills up quite a bit, and we both get in trouble uh, from our parents because we, I think, end up owing like 140-some dollars on a phone bill, because this is when uh, minutes were not unlimited, y'all. It was called a landline. Um, so this, this point in our story uh, brings us to the year that my parents actually separate, um, which for a lot of kids, this is a time that would be really, really difficult and tumultuous. Now, of course, I was in the middle of young love, albeit far away and internet-based. Um, so I was, I was very much distracted by that. But also, um, for me and my parents, I saw this as actually a moment of relief, a moment of um, kind of a Band-Aid that had been on for all my childhood and kind of getting sticky and yucky, finally, like, slowly but surely actually being ripped off. Like, they were finally free. There was room for them to be happy in a way that I hadn't ever really seen them happy. And for me, it was a moment to kind of conceptualize, like, okay, my parents splitting up doesn't necessarily mean the end of anything. It could just mean the beginning of some sort of a new chapter for me. Um, about a month after they had separated, we were actually going to dinner together at Mihogar and having like sweet moments together as a family, albeit uh, kind of a disjointed one. And there were no like passive aggressive undertones that were somehow hidden in the, the fajitas. It was just good. Like my parents, uh, my parents had made a vested interest in staying together as a family unit, even though it didn't mean that they, they were together uh, as, as people who were going to be married. Um, and that meant a lot to me. And to me, it felt kind of like the greatest triumph that my parents uh, that my parents had in our family because they, they made a bold choice that wasn't easy and they did something a little bit scary for the betterment of our family and for themselves. Um, okay, so now it's 2015. I'm 31 years old. I am wearing a rainbow-ass dress um, and unicorn shoes. Um, so a lot of my fashion, uh, my, my fashion choices from elementary and middle school have definitely come full circle. I'm still that girl. Um, I am listening at this point to a song called, uh, a song called She Used to Be Mine by Sarah Bareilles. I have an interest in cats, cheese plates, bourbon, and, uh, and uh, improv comedy, which I'm taking here at The Push, and I encourage you guys to do the same. Um, yeah, and uh, uh, romantically, um, I have been married for, <laughs> romantically, I have been married for five years to my husband and uh, have learned that marriage is the most awesome, crazy, and wild journey. Um, and... And, and that's been really, like, positively 
affected by thinking back on my parents' marriage positively, not, not looking at the moments where things were icky, but instead looking at like maybe where those icky moments actually got, got us all somewhere new. Um, I am a musician, as Brendan mentioned, and all of these experiences, they funnel their way into the art that I make. Um, and all of my experiences, as I think, I think this is true for most humans, um, if I'm wrong, then you guys can just be like, she won't write. Uh, but the, I think that for most humans, these experiences that we have as young people, they make us who we are. Um, so for my parents, what they showed to me um, with their actions and not with their words is that there are some choices that we can make in relationships so that no matter how those relationships end, uh, they, those relationships continue to grow and thrive. Uh, my parents are now both in relationships with new wonderful people who complete them and challenge them and make them grow wonderfully. We still get together for big, crazy, uh, huge, dysfunctional family Thanksgivings sometimes, and it's awesome. Um, and I guess the one thing that I want to say about divorce specifically, I don't want to make this come across like I uh, had this beautiful experience and that everybody's experience of divorce is this happy. There are, there are obviously uh, many experiences that can come from something that huge, but divorce does not have to be an atomic bomb. Divorce does not have to be something that makes a child feel like a victim, and it doesn't have to be something that ends in partners resenting each other or wishing that the other one would be mauled by hungry dire wolves, okay? <laughs> um, it can actually be healing, and for my family, I think that it was. So um, the, the, the lesson from all of this is just that if you base your relationships in communication, in respect, and in good self-care, that regardless of how that relationship goes, regardless of whether you grow apart, you separate, you change, you change your mind, that relationship lives. That was Sky Zinch sharing a piece of her 90s childhood. Thanks, Sky, for sharing your story. I'm Deb Markham. If you'd like to join Tell Me More Live or help out in any way, visit www.tellmemorelive.org where you'll find our submission and contact forms, a schedule upcoming shows, and more Storyteller podcasts. Until next time, remember, a happy ending always depends on where the story ends.